Welcome, Rink Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast episode 55, a special emergency episode. Brought to you by the Overtime Media Podcast Network. Your sport, your team, on your time. We're also brought to you by our founding sponsors at puckhockey.com. It's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Head over, get yourself some rink wear, use discount code the rink. They just had their uh, 4th of July sale, so they had a lot of good stuff over there. You could have got uh, an extra 10% off, but uh, get get yourself some rink wear or get yourself some metal uh, testament wear, all that good stuff. They got hats. They got all kinds of cool stuff. They got sweatpants if you're uh, a sweatpants kind of guy. Uh, they got the whole thing over there. So uh, hats, shirts, hoodies, all kinds of good Marian stuff. Marion Hosa signature line. Yeah, Marion Hosa. You can still get yourself, yeah. you can still show some yeah. support for Marion Hosa. I still got a yeah. bunch of Marion Hosa stuff that I wear all the Me time. Too. So uh, yep. anyway, get over to pockhockey.com, get yourself some rink wear and, or some other wear. And uh, even if you're going to get something off the clearance rack, that's fine too. Just go over there and support the rink, the rink, discount code at checkout, and uh, you can get some uh, money off, some extra money off. So anyway, today is Tuesday, July 9th, 2019. I'm Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. Who could be scared of a Jeffrey? Yeah, Jeffrey's just this nice bloke from down the road, isn't he? (laughs) My name is Jeff. It's Jeffrey, man. And I am joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll, back from camping. Hello, sir. Back from camping, just grumpier and older than ever. You're one sandwich away from fat. (laughs) Uh, pretty much pretty much uh all the way yeah well that's that 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 that, there's a couple of us here at the rink that uh that are in that uh, category so we got a lot of weight to pull yeah literally yeah and well together we are your most trusted sources at your favorite online hangout the-rink.com uh so we have we called i called this last minute audible on this emergency podcast blackhawks made a trade today we didn't even get to talk about some ufa stuff that they did and the previous trade that they made for uh, Andrew Shaw. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. We're going to try and make it quick and concise. I don't want to be rattling on for two hours. Um, I don't think anyone no. wants to listen to us rattle for two hours. No. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about those those couple of things. Um, I think maybe we'll go backwards. We'll talk about the Shaw thing first. Then we'll take a break. We'll do. We'll take. We'll pay all of our bills, and then uh, we'll talk about the trade that was today. And then we'll wrap it up with the rest of the free agency. How about that? Perfect. Good. Good. All right, cool. Uh, the Blackhawks uh, traded for Andrew Shaw. They traded a couple of draft picks to bring Andrew Shaw back. Um, I mean, the way the Blackhawks look, uh, the way the, they explained it, they needed a little bit tougher uh, players uh, down, you know, which is something that we have talked about for a while now. And uh, they needed players, you know, around the net, uh, dirty players. Not, well, not necessarily dirty players, but, the, you know, they get their get their noses dirty down there, and Andrew Shaw tough to does play against. Yeah, they need players who are tough to play against. And Andrew Shaw is tough to play against. Well, yes, he is. He is maddening sometimes with his dumb offensive zone penalties. Yeah, and everybody's in love with a goal that never counted. I, I you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, I was not happy at, at, at the time. They gave up some draft picks down the road to get him back. He's $3.9 million for a couple of years. He's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. He'll be a useful guy up and down the lineup. You know, I, after sleeping on it for a day, it's just like, I, I don't really don't care either way about it, but you know, I see where they're going and I can admire the fact that they were trying to fill a need with a player um, that they know can do that. Unfortunately with the Blackhawks and the retreads, the retreads don't always work out as well as, uh, 
right. we would like. But what, what did you think about that Shaw thing? Um, I, for the most part, thought it was good because I think that, I mean, if you step back and you look at what the Hawks did in free agency and in trade, um, with the possible exception of today's move, is they wanted to get better on defense. They did that. They wanted to get tougher to play against on the lower lines. I think they did that. And as we foreshadowed on the last screencast, um, you know, when nobody else was talking about it, there we said there's a real possibility that they're going to do something in goal um, because they're not counting on Crawford probably past this year. And sure enough, they did it. Um, so point is, we'll get to that in a second, but the point is they, they checked all these boxes. So as far as getting tougher on the lower lines, they got that guy in Shaw. Shaw can play anywhere from the fourth line which is where he was um, the last time the Hawks hoisted the cup with Marcus Kruger and Andrew Desjardins. And I'm going to come back to Desjardins as a comparable a little later on. Um, but he can do that. Uh, he can play on your third line because he's a pretty good defensive player as well as um, you know what he contributes offensively. And he can play as high as your second line. Um, you know, In 2014, when the Hawks went to the Western Conference Finals and came uh, Nick Letty bounce uh, away from getting into the cup finals. Shaw was the center uh, on a line with Brandon Saad and Patrick Kane, both of whom are still with the Hawks. Uh, that, that line was, was the best thing the Hawks had going in that, in that final series. Um, that was an incredibly hot line. So I don't anticipate as some do that they're going to plug Shaw in a second line center. I actually can see them pl- playing him possibly at right wing with Taves and Saad because Shaw can play a cycle game down low, which is what Taves and Saad really thrive in, and they've really missed with since Marion Hulse has been gone. So I, I, I actually think as long as Shaw can stay healthy, as long as he can stay off of the NHL discipline suspension list, um, then I, I think why not? It's not like it, you know, any of us are in Rocky Wurtz's will. Let him spend the money. They're under the cap still. Um, I, I just don't, I don't see a real big downside to this second and third round picks more often than not, they're going to turn into, you know, Kent Simpson or Justin Hole or Ludwig Rensvelt or Adam Birdie or some player of that ilk versus a Dave Boland or an Alex DeBrickhead or a Brandon Saad. So I think that, you know, probably, um, it was, it was a good move. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I don't know if Saad's or excuse me, if Shaw's contract expires before the expansion draft. But I think like uh, Oli Mata, like Calvin DeHaan, you know, there's also a possibility that, you know, if it doesn't really work out or work out to their satisfaction, you know, he could end up being exposed in the expansion draft, too. Yeah, that's I believe that he's got what, three more years left, is it maybe? Yeah. Yeah, so he can be exposed as long, and those other guys can too. So, um, doesn't mean they all will be, but I think it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, and, and yeah. he doesn't have no trade or anything like that. So he's they're not you know handcuffed to him for that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it, it it he's a depth player. He's a little expensive for a depth player, but they can now afford that because they had some yeah. cap room. Uh, <clears throat> people have to get used to the that get used to this uh, thought that. Uh, Andrew Shaw is not the Andrew Shaw that left in 2015. Like he's not the same player. He's got a lot more miles on him. He has not played, you know, really a full season. Um, uh, and granted, you know, I, I understand he had his career high in uh, 
points and stuff. Yeah, he had a good he had a good offensive. But he played year. with Max Domi and uh, yeah, I mean he played yeah. with good players. And yeah. I don't see him playing a, an entire season with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Like he's going to be moved up and down the lineup. You're not going to see what you saw. Uh, you know, it, 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 there was more of a necessity there in Montreal. They needed the depth, and they you know they needed the extra players. So, I you know I. Probably, but I also will not be surprised if they don't plug him in with with Sodden Taves um, because he pl- he can play the style that they want to play in the offensive zone. And I think some people may find that hard to believe, but he can. He he can play the cycle game. He can possess the puck. He can create space. Um, and you know we'll see. I mean, I it, they may they may have a sp- very specific role in mind for him. I mean. I've heard other people talk about Dylan Secure playing there. Dylan Secure does not play the kind of game that Sodden Tate is going to play. Marion Hosa played that game. You know, you need a power player um, playing on the right wing with those guys to really get those guys going and, and doing what they do, you know. And, and uh, so he, they may plug him in there. I don't know. You know, it could be Kirby Doc, too. You never know. Yeah, well. Uh, as far as side, you, never know. you know, as far as Shaw goes, I mean, just don't, don't expect a whole lot from him. But you know what? It, it could work out in the end. Um, and they can use him in multiple spots, which is useful. So, right. I mean, that's I don't want I don't want right. to hang on to this Andrew Shaw thing too long. I was not right. happy at the time, but you know what are you going to do? The more you look I at it, I was happier than you were. But yeah, for sure. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, my initial reaction was I didn't want Andrew Shaw back anyway, but you know, whatever. It's two years. It's two three years later. It's not as much of a hindrance on the cap. So I'm just going to live with it. It, it. But when he when he takes some stupid offensive zone penalties and they end up on the penalty kill and the other That's team bad. scores a power play goal, then I'm going to be mad. And yeah, I'm telling you that right now. Yeah. If he can stay out of the box and control himself, then, you know, yeah. I'll eat crow at the end of the year. but And not Crawford either. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Well, we talked about Andrew Shaw. We did all that stuff. Let's take a quick break. Let's pay some bills. We'll come right back. We'll talk about this trade that happened today. And then we'll close out with talking a little bit of the free agency that happened. So here we go. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. All right, and we're back. So the Blackhawks made a trade today at about 3.30. Everyone's running. uh, They seem to do this all the time, which aggravates me because they did the same thing with Saad. Like 3.30, they announced a trade. Everyone's on the road. No one can do or say anything about it. But that's neither here nor there. That's just me complaining, being a grumpy old guy. Um, The Blackhawks traded Henry Yokiharu to the Buffalo Sabres for Alexander Nylander who is not the Nylander who has been mostly in the news uh, the past couple of years with Toronto, but his other brother, Alex. Um, uh, you know, this was an unexpected. Uh, I thought, you know, I think we all thought that, you know, Yoki Haru was being groomed to be that next, be one of the next wave of defensemen that the Blackhawks were going to bring into their system. He was a little different than, you know, these small puck moving guys he seemed more to have a little bit of more of a two-way game he seemed to play okay you know last year in the in the small stint but it, then he went off to worlds they sent him off to worlds and, and and i didn't think much of it but 
he never saw the. I don't think he ever saw the ice for the Blackhawks after that. They sent him right back to to uh, Rockford, and he finished the year in Rockford, and we never heard from him again. <laughs> and then they they make all these, you know, the free agent, the the trades for you know Mata and and Dehan, and he kind of didn't have a place anymore in the, in the system, which seemed odd because he kept saying Yoki Haru's still there. They still have Henry Yokiharu. Like, where is he going to be? Is he going to spend a whole nother year at Rockford? Like, you know, Bokris and Rock- Yokiharu are a good pair to have in Rockford, but at some point, like, uh, you know, the guy's going to die in, in the AHL. So they trade him off to, for Alex Nylander, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, the guy's got – Alex Nylander's got talent, but uh, all I've heard over the last two, three years about Alex Nylander is you just can't put it together at the pro level. And – they're frustrated with him, and he, it's almost kind of like a Yoki Haru, only one year, you know, one year behind, where Yoki Haru was, you know, was kind of stuck in the AHL, and they didn't, they weren't sure if he was figuring it out or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, to me at this point, I almost mentioned this earlier to someone that like I felt like the Blackhawks got pennies on the dollar for Yoki Haru with this Nylander thing because uh, I, you know, uh, Nylander hasn't shown he can do anything in the NHL. While Yuki Haru wasn't lighting the world on fire for the NHL, he was at least hanging in there. So, I mean, what were your thoughts? Uh, well, when I first heard it, I thought, wow, that does that just doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, I, what I always try to do is I really try to, to examine both sides of it and try to understand what the Hawks were thinking. And so I went, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, I... I was not an Alex Nylander expert by any stretch of the imagination. So I went and saw some tape of him playing in the uh, 2017 World Juniors. And wow, you know, I mean, if this guy were, if this guy, you know, that was, I think that was a year after his draft year. So he was probably about 18. If he'd have been in this year's draft, he would have been a top 10 pick in a great draft. I mean, he he has all kinds of moves. He has he's a great stick handler. He can pass the puck. That's probably the best part of his game. It's a lot like his father was. Um, although he's a right hand stick, and I believe his father was a left hand stick. Um, so you know all that's good. Now, so there's some reason that he has not put it together in pro hockey. And what I've heard is is that he's just has not been up to the challenges of, you know, the more physical, faster pro game. So, you know, perhaps Bowman's rolling the dice that with another year of maturity, different change of scenery, uh, perhaps playing, eh, perhaps with better players and guys like Kane Taves to bring it. Um, although he certainly wasn't playing with a bunch of stiffs in Buffalo uh, when he was there, he's only had 15, 15 NHL games. So real hard to say that, you know, he's, he's tried and failed at the NHL level. He's only had 15 games to first 15 games in the NHL were not good. So let's, I, I think let's wait and see on this. Um, as far as Yuki Haru now, when they, around the time he was sent down last year, somebody I recall, and I want to say it was our buddy Ricochet, but, or if it wasn't him, it was somebody of that ilk whose hockey acumen and knowledge is, is pretty high who, who I remember saying that, you know, there, there was a, a weakness that was exposed in Yoki Haru's game. 
um, after a while in the NHL. And some of the other other teams forwards had figured it out and they were starting to take advantage of them. And I believe it was moving to one side or covering to one side. Um, but I'm going to have to go back and I have to ask around and, and see who said it and try to get the specifics again. But I do remember this. So it, that could be part of it, that they felt that, you know, he did have some some shortcomings. Because here's the thing. I believe there was a little bit of an Internet legend that grew up around Yoki Haru last year, that he was an incredibly amazing all-world the first 20, 25 games. He was pretty good, but he had some bad moments, too. And I think people forget that too conveniently because he was sort of like the tallest midget on a really, really bad defense. He, he looked pretty good at times because the rest of the defense looked terrible. And I think that I, I, I just feel like this is a trade where there's probably a little more backstory that we don't know yet. One of the things we heard today, um, our, our own Aaron Goldschmidt, who's in Colorado, um, spoke with somebody, quote unquote, close to Ian Mitchell right before the trade went down and was told something big's going to happen here. And it's kind of interesting that somebody from Mitchell's camp knew about it. And, you know, that, that person said that Mitchell has put on 10 pounds of muscle, that he really wants to show the Hawks that he's the best defensive prospect that they have. Mitchell plays the right side. Adam Boakfist plays the right side. That, that's where Yoki Haru was on, was on the right side. And Bowman then said after the trade that, that this trade was in some ways about um, the confidence that they have in, in Mitchell and Boakfist who are coming soon. Um, that, that, that made Yoki Haru a bit more expendable. So I think it all comes down to can uh, Nylander develop? Um, can he you know, translate his talent into actual NHL production? And then if he does, I, I have a feeling that people are going to look back on this trade you know, pretty positively. Right now, it doesn't make a lot of sense because nobody saw it coming, which foreshadows another trade we need to talk about later, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean... Well, <laughs> I, I, I was in the, in my, in my mind, in the back of my mind, I always thought, you know, I'd like to take a chance on Alex Nylander, you know, they, they would, he's got talent there. He's got raw talent and maybe he can eventually put it together, but I don't know that I would have given up Henry Yokihara just yet a 20 year old defenseman, you know, uh, finish, you know, he, he's got a, a decent pedigree. I mean, Giving up on a kid at 20 years old, like, you don't, do, normally in the NHL, they don't do that. You don't just give up on a first-round draft no. pick that's 20 years old, and, like, he's just developing, and he just started playing in the NHL. Like, you just give him, give up on him for that, you know, for Alex Nylander, who's got even less experience in the NHL and is a year older. Yeah. It's like, that's, well, something Well, Yoki was it. brought along pretty fast. I mean... Yeah. Nylander's had more of a an expectable, um, you know, development curve where Yoki Haru was brought up very fast because why not? The Hawk defense sucked. So let's let's plug him in, you know, and then they set him down. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, again, I'm I just I want to hold off on this one. I want to ask I'm going to ask around a little bit and see, you know, see what we can hear as far as, you know, some of the rationale for it. I do believe that part of it was they felt there was some expendability because they have. Uh, an elevated comfort uh, confidence level now in Mitchell and Boakvist coming and, and, and really being the players that they hope they would be. So, um, but there may be more to it than that too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't hate the trade. I'm just kind of confused by it. It doesn't seem to make a, 
you know, the, the, the moving parts of this trade don't seem to make a lot of sense to me. That's why, that's yeah. why I say there may be more to this story. Yeah. And I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, the Blackhawks organization, and we've been going at this since the season ended and they got the third overall pick. We kept saying they've got all these defensemen. They've got all these defensemen. What are they going to do with all these defensemen? And then they acquired two more defensemen. Like there just wasn't enough room. And maybe, right. you know, maybe Buffalo is like, well, we're going to, we'll take one off your hands, but it's got to be this guy. Yeah. And they were kind of like, well, okay. And you know, we don't have a choice. It's going to be Yoki Haru. And out of all the, you know, they've got Bodan, they've got Boquist. I mean, everyone's forgotten about, you know, Bodan in this whole thing. You know, I think a way you can look at this trade a little bit, possibly, if it turns out well for the Hawks, it could end up being like the Strom um, Schmaltz trade. Now, granted, I think a lot of people were starting to get a little tired of Schmaltz's act by the time they moved him. But I think also both GMs looked at it as our guy needs to change the scenery. Their, their guy needs to change the scenery. Um, you know, Yoki Haru was drafted 26th overall. Nylander was drafted 8th overall. Dylan Strom was drafted 3rd overall. I believe Nick Schmaltz was drafted 20th overall. So, um, you know. What, so it was very similar in that regard, and, and yeah. I think at this point, everybody's looking at that trade saying the Hawks got the better of that deal. I think back when it was made, I think it, there, there was – I think a lot of people – I think there were some people who really thought that they shouldn't have traded Schmaltz. I mean, let's let's recall that people were ready to give him $6 million a year for six years. Oh, there was um, definitely yeah. a reservation about, about that yeah. trade, it, it, and, uh, yeah. it, and I kind of felt the same way about Strom as I do about this Nylander thing. Like, right. I was like, well, you know, he was drafted really high, but Arizona seems like they're not really into him, and right. he's not developing like they want him to. Right. So, like, there's the potential there, and there's definitely the potential here. So I'm hoping that, you know, Stan can pull a rabbit, a rabbit out of his head again, and he has done it. So, like, I mean, the Shaw trade, I, I'm not a huge proponent of, but he's really done well since last year, you know, since yeah. basically the season began. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come down on him hard just yet. Let's see how this thing, I want to see at least through the month of July, maybe, um, <clears throat> maybe into August to see how, how, how this thing, you know, susses out a little bit. You got, you got Strom who can really shoot the puck. You got De, at center, you got to at the left wing who can really, really shoot the puck. And you put a guy like Nylander on right wing, which is his position, who can really pass the puck and really set guys up. I just I feel like that's what I feel like that's what Bowman's seeing. He's seeing uh, he's seeing Nylander as being the missing the missing third piece with with DeBrinket and Strom. And you know, from the standpoint of sticks and from the standpoint of styles, it's and he and Bowman said it today. He goes, you know what? You get him with some of our guys, and you, we may start to see some pretty some pretty good results. And I think that's what he's thinking. Yeah, so, hopefully. I mean, we'll I, see, you know? I'm afraid. You know, what's we're gonna, and and not that this would have been a big deal because Yoki Haru would have started out in Rockford anyway. But I have, I just have this 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 feeling that Nealander starts the season in Rockford, and and that's gonna, you know, yeah, they're not guaranteeing him a job. They said that, right? Yeah, Yoki, but they're also they're also giving him a shot too. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah, well, it's the same with Doc too. I mean, they're going to give him a shot, but they're not guaranteeing anything. You could end yeah. up right back in, uh, you know, Saskatoon, which is probably what's going to happen. I mean, I mentioned well, that today in my piece. Will. He's eighteen. Yeah, I mentioned he that in my piece 21. today. I, I just want a quick plug on that piece. I 
wrote a piece about Kirby Doc today on the, on the website. Excellent piece. Uh, you know, about how the Blackhawks need to bring him on his timeline, not the meatball fan timeline. Right. Uh, right. You know, that says that he has to. Or the meatball play, blogger timeline. Yeah, that he has to make the team <laughs> and play, a, you know, all 82 games this season. Uh, or it's a complete failure, which is not true. So it's ridiculous. It's the same it's with this trade. Like it was stupid. It, it's the same with this trade. Like right now, it, it it could be very well be like the Dylan Strom trade, where it works out really nicely, and the Blackhawks, you know, or you know, maybe both players work out. Maybe Yoki Haro works out really well for for Buffalo. It's quite and possible. Nealander works out really good for the Blackhawks, and, and yep. you know, everyone wins on that one. Yep. Uh, yeah, you're right, and you know, Nealander may not play 75 games in Chicago um but he could play 75 next year and be and be great I mean again it's like we said we've been saying all day even prior to this trade that you got to let players develop on their timeline and um you know have success at the lower levels and then move them up and and that's the best way to do it so we'll see but I, I feel like at 21 he he did play uh, I think the Buffalo's last 10 regular season games this year um so I, it, apparently Buffalo was, you know, moving him more to the NHL level at that point. So, um, you know, and I, I think that they feel like they have an open spot at right wing. You've got DeBrinckit and Sauter, you're probably your left wings. Uh, Taves and Strom are your centers in your top six. And Kane is your one for surefire right wing. After that, you're looking at choices like Kajula and Shaw, who are probably better off as bottom six players. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, and I don't want to. I know, I know, everybody hates when I pat myself on the back, but I mean, this is something that that I've said since before the draft, and why I wanted them to draft a forward was that they didn't have any high end forwards in their system coming through the system. They didn't. Right. They didn't have any. They didn't. You know, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, even to brink it, I would have, as a as a prospect, I wouldn't have considered him a high end. I mean, he was a guy that they stole later in the you know in in there, and he worked out. Yeah. But there was a lot of question marks with the size and all that other stuff. So, they uh, that being said, they didn't have any centers in the system that could uh, that were high end, top six type centers. They didn't have any more forward. They didn't have any more wings that were top six type players with that kind of talent. Now, with bringing in Dylan Strom, with bringing in Alex Nylander, these guys are have pedigrees of being high end, top six type players. Whether they really develop into that, if you know down the road, they at least have those, that kind of talent in the system that they can now develop and, and, and be that next wave of players for the Blackhawks. Yep. It, yep. It, it, it's, it's a, he went about it a weird way and you know what? That's what you kind of have to do. You have to kind of, uh, you know, uh, go roundabout and, uh, you know, making these trades and, and things like that. But you know what? He's kind of replenishing the forwards, by not yep. drafting, or he drafted one, but not drafting a lot of top end forwards, and I don't know. I mean, I can't hate that he's trying to replenish the system and even out the system a little bit. And uh, you know, he's yeah. just he's got to take a flyer. He's got to take a chance on some of these guys. And you know, I, I'm kind of you know I have my reservations, but I got to at least commend him on taking his shot at it. You know, picking an eighth overall player. Or picking up an you know an eighth overall draft pick, you know it, it could really work out nicely for them in the end. Who so. has that kind of physical talent? Again, the question is is you know the maturity and the the you know putting it all together and rising to the physical challenge of the NHL consistently. So 
Um, but the, but the, he has top 10 talent and, and you can see it when he plays and, and uh, um, you know, he's a guy, you know, somebody said it today. I think it was Jimmy Greenfield said, um, you know, if he gets 80 points, it's probably going to be 55 assists. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's interesting because again, if you put him with guys who can really shoot the puck like Strom and especially to bring it, you could, you could have something and his, his stick and his, you know, his playing side, lines up perfectly with those guys. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I think there may be a little more method than madness to this, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, and I, I mentioned this in the trade article too. I mean, there's, he's got Chicago ties and I know we, we kind of, we kind of poo poo that a lot, but a change of scenery for him coming back home where he played his youth hockey for a team that his father played for, maybe that's just what he needs. I don't know. You know, we, we don't, none of us know at this point, but we're trying to find some rays of light in this uh, because it we'll doesn't see. make a lot of sense. So, yeah. Well, okay. I, I think we said enough on that, huh? Yep. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. We, we didn't get a chance to talk about free agency. We're going to wrap up with free agency. We don't have any questions or anything because we just did this off the cuff. So uh, in free agency uh, last week or two weeks ago, whatever, uh, the Blackhawks, first they picked up Carpenter, Ryan Carpenter, who's a, basically a fourth line center. Um, they also fourth signed line center or wing. He's he's a, he took a 300 faceoffs uh, for Vegas last year. So he was actually not one of their top four faceoff guys, but he, you know, he played every night. Um, so he's a, he's one of those guys who can flop between center and wing. And when he does take faceoffs, he wins about 52%. So he's a lot like Andrew Desjardins was, and he's about the same size player, very similar playing style. As, as Desjardins was when he was in Chicago before Desjardins got hurt and his game started to fall off. But like the, the Desjardins of 2015, who was a really, really useful player and a guy who really came to work every night. And I think, I think that's the kind of player Carpenter is. And again, that's what they needed on their bottom lines. So I, I think that was a good signing and they got pretty good value. And, um, you know, I, I think the only good things are going to come out of that because, the Hawks had a, just a bunch of guys in their bottom six who were not doing the bottom six job like it needs to be done, and this is a guy who will do that job. Penalty killing, too. Yeah. That's going to yeah. be a big thing. I mean, you, you need guys. And I think when they brought on Andrew Desjardins, I think he was kind of lost with the Sharks. He, he might not yeah. have had a role anymore. That's that's exactly what happened with Carpenter. And Andrew Desjardins made, made, you know, carved himself out a pretty nice niche here yeah. for the Blackhawks and became a very useful player. He didn't show up on the score sheet every night. He wasn't on the highlight reels, but he was that important player that, uh, you know, had some depth. He was uh, responsible and things like that. So, uh, you know, bringing in a guy that can play wing or center on the, in the bottom six and can win faceoffs are some big, big things that they needed. And uh, they, they got it fairly cheap. And when they, when they won the cup in 2015, remember who Desjardins played with? Marcus Kruger and Andrew Shaw. Now Kruger's gone. He's gone to the Zurich Lions in the Swiss League. And adios, Marcus Kruger. We we were, I was a big fan of yours and wish you only well. I mean, you you served the Hawks well. As you're a real warrior, and that's great. But point is, you got Shaw back. You got you got uh, Carpenter. So he's got sort of two thirds of the components of the kind of fourth line he had in 2015, which was that was that was a great fourth line. I mean. 
those guys were impossible to play against. And they used to keep opposing teams bottled up in their end for crazy amounts of time. I mean, they would do full changes while in the offensive zone with their fourth line, that team. And um, so, again, I think I think these are good moves. They're not sexy. They're not going to get anybody crazy excited about points on the score sheet. But in terms of building an effective and cohesive four-line hockey team that does all the things that you want all your lines to do, uh, I think Carpenter, in addition to Shaw, was a, was a nice pickup. Well, I mean, I think this is a good good point to bring up uh, something that you mentioned to me in the private or, you know, privately behind the scenes about, you know, there being, it's something that it's no big secret. I mean, I've heard Charlie Romiliota say it. You've heard people say it on yeah. NHL radio, yeah. but what, what was your point? You can go ahead and bring it up. Well, we've talked about it here. I mean, we've talked about it here on the air too. And, you know, I've had this debate with people for years and it, it literally has, has driven me to the point of an aneurysm at times because I it just, I want to bang my head against the wall and you would hear people talk about the, the 2016 Hawks or the 2017 Hawks. And they won all these points in the regular season. They blah, 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 blah. And it's like, they were a good regular season team. They would, they would win in three on three overtime or in the shootout. Um, they, you know, they were a perimeter team. And those are the kinds of teams like the Tampa Bay lightning this year, for example, that are just completely awesome in the regular season for regular season hockey, which is, you know, uh, much more heavily officiated. There's a lot less clutching and grabbing. There's a lot more open ice. But when you get to the playoffs, it's a different kind of game. And I heard Scott Laughlin and uh, I forget his name, uh, for last name's Coolius, on NHL radio talking about just that. that. That to win a Stanley Cup, you need to be a good regular season team, but also a good playoff team. And they're almost two completely different styles of hockey. And you, you, need, you need a roster that's adaptable to both. And honestly, until really this summer, the Hawks were, were just, they were building for the regular season and they weren't building for the playoffs. And it's why the last two times they actually made the playoffs, they got, they either got, they got knocked out in the first round both times. And, one, and the last time they got absolutely smoked by Nashville. Um, so the, you know, Stan Bowman even said it after he drafted Doc and Vlasic. He said, when you look at the playoffs and you look at the style of play in the playoffs, you need these bigger, stronger players and players who can rise to physical challenges. He was talking specifically about Doc. Um, you need those kinds of players in the playoffs. And, and that's so I think that's what they're trying to do. I think the Hawks intend to get back to the playoffs this year, and I think they intend to, to maybe do some damage in the playoffs because those are the kinds of moves that Bowman's making. And that also brings back the aforementioned Andrew Shaw. I mean, that's kind of the same right. thing. Right. Like that, well, he's frustrating, and, I, you know, I'm not his biggest fan in the world. You know, he was there. He was playing that playoff hockey. He knows what playoff hockey is. Yes, he does. he was here when, when the Blackhawks were actually playing it. And then you see they lose all those players, and maybe Andrew Shaw was more, more of it. More, you know, maybe he doesn't get enough credit from me on that because they fell off pretty quickly. Uh, you know, yeah. in two years, they went from, you know, being one of the, the winningest teams in the NHL in two seasons to being, you know, a, a lottery top, you know, picking third overall. So, you know, anyway, but so as far as free agent goes, uh, you know, Carpenter, it's not a sexy pick, uh, but it's a useful pick. It's something they needed. Sure. Great. They also uh, announced the signing of David Kampf. He's coming back. 
you know, I, I think I, I look at him as more of a Marcus Kruger light. Let's see if he can, you know, shore things up with face off circle. Um, yep. but he's, he's got more, I think he's got more offensive talent than, than Marcus Kruger, but, um, he's got less defensive talent, than but let's see if he can, he can suss it out. Cause I think that, um, Jeremy Calton thinks highly of David Kampf. David Kampf was playing, you know, second line center at one period of time for, for Jeremy Calton. I think Calton yeah. really thinks highly of him. Just like Joe Quenville thought very highly of Marcus Kruger. Yep. So, uh, I'm kind of, you know. I'm not going to say he is Marcus Kruger, but I'm thinking that Jeremy Colleton thinks he may be a Marcus Kruger type player. Yeah. Back in, you know, back when Marcus Kruger was, was Marcus, Marcus Kruger. Kruger. Yeah. Which was not last right. year. <laughs> right. Right. So. It was 20, really 2015, you know, and it was, it was, uh, you know, before he hurt, he had his second wrist injury, which those wrist injuries really, really changed him. Yeah. You know, he just wasn't the same player. Yeah, wasn't it? He was he was having a hard time winning faceoffs, and yeah. that was one of yeah. his strengths. And so, yep. Yep. yeah. But you know, this this also shows that like when you go on cap friendly or whatever, and you build your lineup, and they have you know Dylan Sakara playing fourth line, like you can't like he's not a fourth line player. Right. He's not who you put out there on the fourth line. Right. Right. He's going to get crushed yep. in his own end. He's yep. not. You know, he's a, he's a He's a fancy, you know, He's not what player. you call hard to play against. Yeah, right, exactly. You need hard to play against <laughs> players in the fourth line. Yeah, that's yeah. why they're fourth line players. Right. Because that's what they excel at. So um, right. that's, you know, another thing there. They they need to bring in these, these you know, uh, these hard to play against, like you said, players. So, um, but yep. the, so then we thought, you know, the Blackhawks were done for the day, right? You know, nope. we're all writing our... We were writing our follow-up articles. I know that, you know, uh, Jimmy and uh, Charlie and all those guys probably, they all had their articles out there. The Blackhawks just, you know, did not not a lot of stuff, but that's okay because that's what we expected. And then the bomb drops. The Blackhawks signed Robin Lehner to a one-year $5 million deal, which I think shocked everybody. Uh, I know it shocked me. Uh, just that it was Laner. I think I don't know. Not, not necessarily that it was a goalie thing. I think that it was Laner that actually was coming this way. Because Laner, I mean, he, he he had a really good year. He was one of the yeah. top. You know, he was a Vezina finalist. Well, he was. I think you'll recall. I told you. I told yeah. you. I was not gonna. If they made a run at Bobrovsky, I was not gonna be completely surprised. You did say that <laughs> because because it all came down to. You know, if you're going into you're going into the season this year with Crawford, who has a serious, serious health issue and it's not going away. And anybody thinks it's gone away is needs to go and study up on it. And then you've got Colin Delia, who is promising, but maybe the Hawks weren't ready to say, you know, if Crawford goes down, he's the guy who's going to carry the mail the whole year backed up by Kevin Lankinen. And we talked about this mm-hmm. on the last recast. And we I did. said, don't be surprised if the Hawks make a moving goal, although nobody's talking about it and nobody expects it. And sure enough, that's exactly what they did. And they went out and they got got a guy who was a Vezina finalist last year. He's 27 years old. This isn't Cam Ward 2.0. This is what this move really is, is uh, an insurance policy this year. Definitely. But really, you know what? I think I think what it really is, is. Let's let's bring Leonard in. He's got about a year and a half of sobriety where he had a serious issue mm-hmm. um, and and 
He's got about a year and a half. Let's give him a one-year contract, um, pay him well. And I'm certain they said to Leonard and his agent, look, this is, this is an opportunity for a long-term gig, but we're going we're gonna to do it for a year, see how it goes. Um, and I think the, the day that Leonard was signed was the day that if there was any doubt about it in, in Crawford's mind, um, I think it's now pretty clear that the Hawks are – I'm not saying that Crawford's done and, and it's, a, it's a done deal, but I do feel like a lot of the indicators now are pointing to this is probably going to be Crawford's last year in Chicago. And I'll be here's I'll even go a little further with this. Let's say the first 60 games of the season before March 1st, Leonard and Crawford split duty and Crawford plays pretty well and Leonard plays pretty well. And if Crawford's had a, you know, two thirds of a season where he's pretty healthy and he's only got, you know, 30 games left on his contract and the playoffs, I could easily see a team that needs a goalie pulling the trigger on it with a conditional pick for Crawford at the trade deadline. And the Hawks will probably do it because at that point, you know what? You can't count on him long-term. He's 35 years old. He's had serious concussions. Um, he's missed a year of hockey in the last two years. Um, but if he, if he's healthy to that point, I could definitely see him being a trade ship at the trade deadline. And then they do it an extension with Leonard and, and keep going. Because Leonard's a good goalie. He's always had tremendous talent, tremendous size, He's really aggressive, but he's had some personal issues that have held him back. Mm-hmm. And he put it all together last year, and he had a great year. And I also know for a fact, because I was told this uh, two or three years ago when he was in Buffalo, the Hawks tried to trade for him. And I think, Gate, you'll remember, I told you that yeah. back then. And so this is not like like uh, the Hawks didn't believe in this guy for, for a while. But it's, it's just the timing worked out. Um, the situation in um, New York was the, that the Islanders have a young Russian goalie who's the goalie of the future. They decided they wanted to go with Varlamov to help kind of tutor this kid, and they felt it was a, a better match that way, and they ended up going with him, and, and, and Leonard became available, and, and it, the Hawks jumped on it. Yeah, I, I've not been quiet about the fact that I'm a big Robert Leonard fan. I have been for a, a, quite a few years. I mean, even before he ended up in Buffalo, I was uh, a Leonard fan. I wanted... I would have liked the Blackhawks to take a chance on him and, and, you know, for, for reasons, you know, on and off the rink, I think he's a talented goalie, but I, you know, he's a metalhead and he's, you know, whatever. So, um, but I thought he was really good. I thought he had a good pedigree. I was hoping he, he would get a chance. Uh, I didn't know why he wasn't, uh, getting a solid chance in the NHL. And then we found out with the sobriety thing, like he he had demons, People yeah. have demons. I, he faced his demons. You know, he came, he was very open with the media and I was kind of hoping that they were, the Blackhawks were going to take a chance on him last year instead of uh, Cam Ward. Cause you get, a, you could have got him for half the price. You got Cam Ward Yeah. and uh, you know, him and Mraz, like either one of them, you could have got for half the price of what you got Cam Ward. Yeah. It, in the end, it didn't really matter because the Blackhawks stunk anyway, but right. um, it wasn't going to matter. Yeah. It wasn't going to matter, but um, I, I still would have liked him to, to take a chance because I did like Robin Lehner. So I'm kind of conflicted in here because, of course, you know, we all know that I'm a huge Calendelia fan and I'm a huge Robin Lehner fan. And I'm actually a really big Corey Crawford fan. So three of my favorite, probably my three favorite goalies in the NHL are all on the Blackhawks at the same time. So but there's only room for two of them right now. So right. Uh, we'll see what happens. I don't I, I originally thought that, you know, before all this happened, that maybe they would, uh, you know, offer Crawford like a backup gig at like two million dollars a year. Just, you know, as a you know, uh, years of service kind of thing, um, 
you know, you could back up Colin Delia, but, you know, we're going to usher Delia in or the next, whatever the next phase of Blackhawks goalies was going to be because they have to just start thinking about the future. And, uh, you know, it's kind of changed around a little bit. I don't think they're going to offer Crawford that anymore. Um, no. I think they're going to try to stick with D- with Laner, and if Laner plays really well, I I could actually see that they extend him, you know, in December or something. If if he plays oh, really well, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. But and I would yep. love that. I would love that. Uh. You know, a, a Laner Delia battery next year does not scare yep. me at all. So nope. I think you know, and it's a, it's a nice opportunity for Delia because. Um, you know, it's, he's going to get, he's going to get games. He's going to get an opportunity to show the entire league, um, the kind of goalie he can be, but he's not going to have the pressure of being a number one, um, really before his time Mm -hmm. and before he's fully ready to do that. I don't think this is a this is a knock on Colin Dealey at all. I think it's more the Hawks acknowledging that he's probably going to be their number two soon. Um, but he may have to go back to Rockford here for, for a little while. Um, but here's the deal. Crawford could easily get hurt in October, in November, in December, and Colin Delia is right back in the NHL, and this situation works itself out that way too. Not, not that that you wish that on Crawford at all, but that's a very real possibility. So, I, I again, I, I said it. I said I really felt like don't be surprised if there's a moving goalie, and if it's if it's a surprisingly big move, it wasn't as big as I thought it could be. But it still was pretty big, you know. It uh, it's wasn't pretty big. Cam Ward. This know? is pretty big, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is right below the Bobrovsky thing. I mean, Laner was a, you know, one. Of, he was one of the best goalies in the in the league this year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and arguably, I mean, he had a better season than Bobrovsky, I think. Um, he, you know, he played for a really good defensive team, yeah. and Barry Trotz plays a really defensive system, which which helps goalies inflate their numbers. There's no question. I mean, Thomas Grice looked really good too, playing for them. So, I mean, you know, I, I just, but I, but I also think that we all know anybody who's really followed the NHL um, knows that, that Robin Laner's a guy that from the time he was drafted, people have expected big things from him. And yet, you know, he couldn't beat out Craig Anderson in, in Ottawa and he kind of struggled at times in Buffalo and, and uh, really finally in New York is where once he got sober, you know, um, I'll tell you the other thing about that, too, is I listened to an interview with him. I did a lot of driving over the over the weekend and well, I listened to NHL radio the whole way. And I listened to his interview um, with NHL radio. And I was really impressed. This is this is a guy who's who's I think he's really working a good program, as they say, in recovery. And he's very humble um, and he's very grateful, you know, and, and he could have been kind of a jerk about it with the Hawks and. Yeah, or and shopped himself around the whole league, and he just looked at the opportunity. And said, "No, this makes sense for me. I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to play with with Corey Crawford. I, I think he's a great goalie. Um, he's just, and I don't think he's just saying this stuff. I think he's his his head is in the right place. And you know, with his talent, this this could be a huge, huge move for the future of this franchise. Huge. Yeah, they they could have just snuck in and in, you know, built up their next you know, the, the next generation of goalie for the Blackhawks, um, you know, with Lincoln and doing really well in the world, what he still hasn't played in the NHL. So everyone needs to calm down with that. Right. But he's looked good and him playing with Delia and, and, and I want to, I will give you credit for sure. Um, I mean, you, you, you brought it up on the last podcast and in, even in our private chat, you're like, Hey, is Delia on a one way or two way deal? And, and you see, is he still waiver exempt? And, and I went and looked it up and he's still waiver exempt for pretty much probably the rest of this year. And yeah. uh, which is good because they can send him down there without, you know, right. worrying about losing. Right. Him. So it kind of, you know, it does all make sense. 
Um, I, I'm disappointed because I wanted to see more Dahlia this year, but that's okay. We'll just push it down, kick can down the road a year, which in this case is not a bad thing. And you think about it. I mean, I did. I mentioned. I said, you know, I won't even be surprised if they go after Bobrovsky because this goalie thing is a big, gaping question that nobody's talking about. But but think about it. Talon paid ten million a year for seven years for a, for a goalie who's thirty years old. I'm a big Bobrovsky fan. I think the guy's great, but he's also thirty years old and he's going to make seventy million dollars over the next seven years. The Hawks got a guy who's twenty seven, who they're paying five million this year. And I, I'm guessing to extend him, maybe seven a year, um, you know, assuming he plays well. I mean, it's the whole thing. It's just all the way around. It's 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 it could be end up being a brilliant move to get him. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 a big fan. So, um, you know, I, I I can't wait to see Robin Leonard play in a Blackhawks uniform. I'm no, I'm excited. I, I'm excited. He's, you know, he's very aggressive. He's uh, he's, he's huge. Big. Huge. Yeah. He's 240 pounds. You don't yeah. see any goalies in the NHL that are bigger than like 215, 220. He's, he's, a, he's athletic too. And he's 20 pounds heavier than that. He is a big guy. Yeah. He takes up a lot of room in that net. And uh, and you, you can look online. He's been in, he's been in a couple of scraps. Like he's, yeah. got, he's got a little Corey Crawford in him with the, you know, scrapping yeah. and, and fighting. Yeah. So, you know, and he's a Swedish metalhead. So I can't hate that either. So no, it's all good. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. So. I mean, that's what the Blackhawks did. Um, you know, they, they've made a lot of changes. I mean, I, I said this when the season ended. I'm for chaos. I want to see things get turned around, turned upside down, and they've turned around some things, and they've turned – you know, some things that I didn't even expect them to turn around and turn upside down, they have. So, yeah, I got to get – you know, I, I, I'm backing down a little bit on the, on, the, on the Stan Bowman thing. Like, you know, I was really high on the moves he had made. The Shaw thing scares me a little bit. This Nylander thing scares me a little bit, but I'm hopeful. There's hope yeah. at, at the end of the tunnel. So, yeah, I think I think the biggest roll of the dice um, has been the uh, the Nylander thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of a it's kind of a high risk high re- or high reward type of type of move. So with Strom, we'll and look where he look where we're at here. Yeah, you know they right. they, so we'll they got see. the second line center for years and years to come. Um, you know pretty cheaply for you know nick schmaltz for smoking nick schmaltz smoking nick yeah um so you know well so that's that's about it uh we just wanted to get online we want to talk about a little of this stuff so i think we can wrap this up huh yeah cool all right well with that being said i don't, I don't have any really any plugs or anything like that uh we're gonna kind of like i said earlier we're gonna kind of go a little bit quiet unless anything major happens like this um we're gonna you know start a fresh new season of the podcast coming up uh, we've got writers that will be at uh, the uh, prospect camp next week. Uh, probably more just on Friday for the uh, the scrimmage. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of need for us to all be there uh, watching 18 year old kids doing drills. It gets old and it gets boring and it doesn't show yeah. you a whole lot of anything. Right. So uh, probably towards the end of the week, if anyone's going to the the, the prospect camp uh, scrimmage at the end of the week. There's three or four of us that are going to be there, so come looking for us. Um, oh. We're not we're not going to be hiding from anybody. So you want to come? You want to tell me how wrong I'm about something? Go right ahead. I don't care. Um, but uh, we will be out there and in, in force, and uh, and then we're, and then it's going to go even darker. So <laughs> there's not going to be a lot happening between prospect camp and and the beginning of uh, Blackhawks uh, uh, training camp. Camp so, camp. Yeah. 
So, like I said, we'll rebrand. We'll have the next season. Uh, you know, new new logo, new intros, new outros, the whole thing. Uh, we got some plans. Uh, a lot of new writers we talked about before. Um, they're 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 all ready to go. They're eager to get out there and write some stuff. And uh, you know, we may have you know some some even some more surprises coming out. So, yep, we got we have uh, a couple of uh, opportunities to expand the rink footprint. Um, and, uh, we'll probably have more to talk about as that as the season gets closer. Um, and we also are still working on a very high profile and exciting, uh, podcast guest, which could be as soon as the next couple of weeks. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure it will be, if it's going to happen, it's going to be in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll keep you apprised of that. If, uh, if when the day we, we settle on a day. Um, I mm-hmm. think we're very close to getting that nailed down, though. Yeah, um, we're, we got a couple feelers out for a couple really good guests. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Just keep stick with us. Um, keep you know keep downloading and we'll keep following us on the twitters because that's where that's where mm-hmm. we keep everybody up to date. And uh, yeah, it's been an exciting off season so far though, and and uh, you know we'll we'll stay on it. Yeah, for sure. Um. So uh, you can find all of our comprehensive content at our website at www.thudashrink.com. Uh, you can find us on the popular social medias, like you said, uh, at the Rink Official, at the Rinkcast. I'm at Puckett Hostel, as always, and you are at Jekyll, J-A-E-C-K-E-L, as always, on the Twitter machines. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. Um, if you get a chance, please head over to iTunes, rate and review us. Uh, if you want us to talk about it, at least be something interesting, please. <laughs> Because I'm not going to just say something boring. Um, but uh, go over there, rate, review us, share with your friends. And I do want to give you know, our fans a big thank you. Yep. A humble thank you for uh, coming and reading all of our stuff this year, uh, supporting the podcast, asking questions, all of our favorites like Jackie Davis and the, on the, you know, and, and the people that send questions almost you know, every podcast. I can't thank you enough. You know, it just shows that you care. It shows that you support us. And I really appreciate that. Even if it was only one person, at least one person supports us, you know? So there's uh, literally, there's too many to thank. Yeah. Um, for sure. but you know, just the, the, the dialogue that we have on Twitter with, with, you know, the followers and, and, uh, um, you know, you guys are the best and, uh, it's, it's just so much fun. I mean, it's not, it's not just the gratification of the support and, and, you know, you guys show us, but it's also just being able to talk hockey with you guys. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, yeah, we're really, we're really blessed and, uh, it's exciting. I mean, we, I was telling somebody about, you know, the ring today and we, we've been doing this for all. It was, it was the post I put up about your article. I mean, we've got, we're coming up on, we've done close to a thousand articles now since November 1st, 2017. And I thought that the post that you made today about doc was one of the best, if not the deep best article we've had. I mean, it was, it was not terribly long, but it was, powerful and well articulated and it was something that that the fans needed to hear to put something in perspective that has long since not been in perspective in the fan base and uh you know this is what we do this is what we set out to do we wanted to go deep on hockey and uh you know build a community um that's all about hockey and goes deep it's not like you know some of these other sites that do football baseball hockey soccer i won't call it football it's soccer um you know i mean uh, we just do hockey and we go real deep on it and we want to, we want to be 
um, a community where people can come together and we learn things too. I mean, and, and from, from, cause we've got people who read us and, and interact with us, you know, who are pro scouts and, um, you know, our position coaches and skills coaches. And, and so we're learning too, you know, yeah, and I, that's, that's what good, this thing's about. And that's what makes it so much fun. That's a great point. Yeah. I've learned in the two years we've been doing this, uh, I've learned a lot, you know, I I've had to, you know, swallow my pride a bunch of times and I've learned a lot of things. Cause you know, you, you never know who you're talking to on the internet. Along with a lot of pizzas. Yeah. Yeah. That's why yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, but, you know, go over to our message board, sign up. You can comment on the yeah. articles. We have a lot of smart people. Like you mentioned Ricochet, like the guy's a yep. smart guy. He knows his hockey. Like Wizzle drop in there. Yeah. Wizz drops in, in there. Drops in words for, of wisdom for sure coach for bob sure. rose still still makes an appearance now and then we gotta we gotta get bob back, back, back. brighton again yeah. and uh yeah so uh yeah but the, our message boards are you know that's that typically picks up a little more during the season during you know when we have the game threads and whatnot but you know and then of course the twitters there's, there's always a lot of good stuff going on there too so yeah for sure and and, and we couldn't do this without our great staff so i yep. just wanted to say say that our staff's awesome i love them uh, I love them like family and, uh, they do a great job and they work their butts off for us. And I can't say enough good things about them. Even the ones Bye. who are no longer with us, like Evan, I mean, the, yeah. the kid busted his butt for us. You know, I can't say anything negative about him. He's doing what he wants to do and he, and yes. he busted his butt for us. And, and, and I appreciate rising that. star Evan Miller. He is. Um, We're going to see him somewhere. Uh, like I said, for, but he'll always be a rink rat. And, uh, yeah, we got, we got a, a really great staff now. We've got over 10 writers you know, just covering the Blackhawks and the the Ice Hogs and Chicago related hockey. And, uh, um, you know, uh, well, I, today I had two conversations with prospective writers as far as some some other things we're thinking about doing in terms of, quote, expanding the footprint, you know, et cetera. So, yeah, we um, are not done. We are growing and growing and yes. growing. Yep. For yep. Sure. Yeah. And Evan's so, going to Evan's always going to be a rink rat because we forced him to get the tramp stamp. They had a ring right. <laughs> Don't tell his mom. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Evan, Evan Miller. Um, so that's it. That's uh, that's all we have to say. Um, we're going to go uh, try and enjoy our summer. Hopefully not too much happens. Um, like I said, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode and next season, see you on the next.